Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Today, we have as a guest host of the Data Governance Podcast. Uh, Nicola Oscom and I apparently took a very similar approach in very aptly naming the name of our podcast. But Nicola is 100% the Data Governance Coach. Um, she runs her own firm over at Nicola Oscom Limited. As the data governance coach, again, she also hosts the data governance podcast. So be sure to check that out. She was also named to one of the most influential people in data from Data IQ. So Data IQ does a top 100 most influential folks, people in data every year. And Nicola was named to that this year. So uh, very much respected amongst, amongst the data community. We have links to her podcast and her website in the show notes. So if you have data governance questions, really, really good resource, go check out the website. There's tons of free stuff on there um, that could likely answer most questions that you have. Speaking of questions, <laughs> some of the questions that we hit on during the show is just define data governance without using like all the jargon uh, and crap that you see if you were to Google data governance and look at a wiki page that doesn't really make any sense. From a, uh, a person, a, practic a practitioner that's actually doing this work, what is data governance? Uh, also talked about how internal audits should support data governance initiatives and also what Nicholas seen relative to what internal audit has actually done to support those initiatives. Um, Nicola doesn't have like an audit background. We can tell based on her conversations, uh, the questions that we cover that she is fully aware of the role of internal audit, uh, also speaks about risk. Honestly, a little shocked when she mentioned first, second, and third line. Um, and so I was pretty impressed with that. So, um, highly recommend if nothing else, listen to first like 10, 15 minutes to get IA's role within data governance. Uh, we also talk about, so that's like enterprise wide our role relative to that. But as we take in data, do data analytics to support our audit procedures, audit plan, however you're using data, um, what data governance considerations should we have within our internal audit department ourselves? If you go to the website that was mentioned, there is a uh, PDF, the 10 biggest mistakes companies make when implementing data governance. The number one is a failure to address culture. So we have uh, Nicola expand on that a little bit more. Uh, and then we also talk about, all right, we have this data governance initiative, we have our committee, things are humming along. 
How do we actually measure the effectiveness? How do we know that we are working on the right things? How can we go and present this to the board and go, look at our KPIs and they're great and wonderful and we're doing all this great work and there's the ROI. Very interesting answer there towards the end. So be sure to stick around towards the end. All right, here we go. I am not a huge fan of definition questions, um, but, or uh, I think it makes sense to set the stage a little bit for those that are especially new to internal audit and governance in general, because it's kind of, um, it's not really like a concrete thing, I feel like for a lot of people. So without using jargon, if you could <laughs> help the listeners understand what is data governance? Yeah, well, we do suffer from it being a really bad job title, isn't it? It just sounds yeah. boring. You put data and governance yeah. in the same term. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I actually always say to people, you should actually talk about why data governance and, and get people to, to buy into the idea. But I think to answer your question, we have actually have to do answer what data governance is. And, and for me, data governance is a framework of, of policies and roles, responsibilities and processes. And its main aim is to help an organization understand and manage its data better. Now, obviously, the first thing we're trying to do is obviously um, understand the, you know, what the data is. Quite often things go wrong because people think the data is something that perhaps it's not. And that leads yeah. either things to go wrong or people to make the wrong decisions. And and sometimes it is the right data, which is it's a good thing, but it's not good enough quality. It's just not good enough for the purpose for what it's being used. And, and so the primary reason you do data governance is to start actually getting a, a collective understanding of what data you have and understanding, is it good enough? Because it, it might well be that it's good enough, but it could just be anecdotal and data governance and therefore data quality reporting starts helping you actually monitor and, and prove that the data is good enough or perhaps that it's not and needs some some remediation. Okay. And, there, and most organizations have a data governance committee, at least those um, relative to that have in, with internal auditors, usually the organizations are large enough. Uh, I saw you kind of uh, <laughs> kind of shake your head at no, they don't. But let's just so, let, for the ones so, that do, most do yeah. for the ones that most do. Most do. If they're doing data governance, yeah, they they will have a, a data governance committee of some kind. Yeah. Okay. So what would be within that committee, uh, maybe to, to help it sink in a little bit more for folks, within so, a, a, a given data governance committee meeting, we'll say, yeah, what are like so, topics that are discussed? So a data governance committee is normally made up of data owners, which I think is one of the key roles that data governance gives you. So um, when we say an owner, we don't mean somebody who literally owns that data because um, we know it belongs to the organization and there might be some privacy rules, which mean it might belong to the individual. But as far as that organization is concerned, that's somebody who understands what that data is and they're accountable for making decisions about it. So I have all my data owners sit on the data governance committee. Mm -hmm. um, and then they might have some expert advisors. Um, interestingly, and I'm not saying it because you're all the one asking me, but I often advise having somebody from internal audit on the committee, yep. um, maybe somebody from risk as well, and quite often somebody from IT mm -hmm. um, to give almost like expert advisors for the committee. Um, and then what they discuss will depend on where they are in their data governance journey. If it's relatively early in, they'll be probably prioritizing where do we implement data governance first? Um, you know, where are the biggest problems? What's the most critical data to our Got organization? It. But once it's been going a year or two, they're probably much more into the the kind of BAU routine. And they're going to be looking at the issues with data that have been reported. Um, and I would expect people that senior maybe only to be considering in detail the ones that have a large impact on the organization, perhaps on their most critical data. 
And they'd also be perhaps getting a summary of the data quality reports that are being done in some kind of dashboard to give that committee some hopefully confidence that either data quality is good enough or it was bad, but it's being improved over time. Yeah. They're, they're the main things, really. Okay. Yeah. Improvement. Yeah. Uh, as, I think as long as we're improving on whatever it is, it's hard to ask for much more than that. What should internal audit do to support data governance initiatives, in your opinion? Um, well, I, I think they're a really um, great ally to have if you're the data governance manager in an organization. I always um, um, tell my clients to go and find um, you know, somebody internal audit and tell them they're their new best friend, which obviously doesn't always go down well depending on the people. But um, internal audit are really good. I mean, there's the obvious, really basic one that, you know, you really do need a data governance policy in place, in which case audit can then go around and start auditing against the policy and seeing if anybody's doing it. And I always, um, this it, it, it sounds horrible, but I always think that data governance is not really a second line. If you think of the three lines of defense and audit's always the third, mm -hmm. a lot of people like to put governance, data governance in the second line, along with like your operational risk and your compliance teams. But I don't think we're the same because operational risk and compliance will interpret regulations and just toss the rules that the business have to comply with over to them. And then they'll turn around to you in audit and say, well, go and beat them up if they're not mm -hmm. um, complying with this. Whereas data governance is much more about helping the business write their own rules, deciding which data is the most important, what they want done. So I always find it a bit difficult if we're in the second line. But I, I do think it's really important that data governance are the good guys. Yeah, <laughs> They're the ones supporting the business to do this and helping them. So I, I always like to have some bad cops. And, and I know it sounds really horrible, but I, I've found it works really well of internal audit are the bad cops. <laughs> They're the ones that are finding the bad things, that are finding what's going wrong and calling it out. And then uh, the data governance team can ride to the rescue on their white yeah. charger to say, oh, we'll help you fix that. We'll help you put reports in place or or do what you weren't doing. Yeah. Bad guy is unfortunately, or bad cop is unfortunately a perception of internal audit that uh, we are all too familiar with. So um, yeah, we we definitely understand that. So that was how should internal audit support data governance initiatives? And uh -huh. the answer might be the same here, but what have you seen internal audit do relative supporting data governance? So I've seen that really well. And I think, yeah, when, when you said that, I was smiling, thinking of quite a few people auditors that I've spoken to over the years who've said, but they're used to it. That's that's part of doing their job. They know that they're doing this for the good of the company. So they just take it on this on the cheek. They've got thick skin. So I think it's really good when you can build that kind of relationship because you're working in cahoots. The business don't think you are. They think you're entirely on their side, which you are, but mm -hmm. sometimes you need somebody being scary to make them do the right thing. So what I've seen work really well is where perhaps, you know, internal audit will sit down with you and say, this is my, um, you know, planned audits for the next quarter. Are you aware of particular things in that area? Mm -hmm. And so there could be some things that you're aware of, but you just can't get the business to move on. And, and so it's almost like you're you're telling um, audit where to go and look. Yeah. Kind of thing. And also we've had it the other way where, quite often the audit have been very proactive and they've highlighted data quality issues and used the data quality issue resolution um, process that I always tell people they should have if they're doing data governance. And they're actually the ones that raise it because anybody can raise an issue yeah. um, and it then gets allocated to the right data owner to investigate and resolve. And I've seen that working really, really well. It's almost like a, a pincer movement <laughs> to get people to do the right yeah. things. That's what, uh, in my experience in working with internal audit, 
with data analytics, it's like, if we see that the data is just terrible, especially to the point where it's like, we can't even use this, that should be a finding, like an audit finding to a degree, uh, either if it's verbally communicated or in a report, whatever, or if it's just floated up to the data governance committee. But um, I feel like that should be a, a role that we should take on. Like we're in the field, we, we hit across the entire organization um, and we should be eyes and ears for the data governance committee. Um, I don't think anybody yeah. would disagree, what, however you want to say it, data is the new oil or, or whatever. I mean, it is a huge asset. And for us to be able to add that value of going, hey, this data sucks, we need to get it fixed. If it fits into your like priorities or were you aware of it relative to the data governance committee. So, um, all right, I really appreciate that. So there has been this big push uh, for data analytics within internal audit. So we're auditing a given area. Um, let's get the data for that so we can plan better. Um, we can test the controls using the data, et cetera. Remediation testing, all that great data analytics stuff for internal auditors. Um, so for, I'll say internal audit, but maybe we almost think about it as a individual business unit in general. So maybe it's accounting or whatever. What role does data governance play for not at an entity level, but at an individual department level that's leveraging data across the organization? So I think it's it's really important that people start to truly understand what data is that they're looking at, because I've seen lots of things go wrong over the years where people made assumptions or guesses of mm -hmm. what the data was and therefore came to the wrong conclusions. So I think this is where you know, data governance really comes into its own. Now, I, I'm a really strong believer that documenting what data means and where it is, is absolutely vital and so valuable. And I think that's is where it will come into its own when internal audit are looking at the data because they can be very clear that they know what data that they're looking at instead of thinking, well, it looks like it might be right. the right kind of data. And I think that kind of thing then allows you to do some really good checks and balances because you know that you're doing the right the right thing. I think the other um, the other thing that I've seen quite a lot is um, perhaps the documentation of risks and controls hasn't been that good mm -hmm. in the first place. Um, so I think actually um, almost like taking, I, I know they're almost like information, they're records rather than the raw data, but taking that same approach, define what we mean by everything better. So if we're talking about, um, you know, data, if we're talking about control over it, making sure people are defining them properly, because I, I do think that a lot of um, problems arise because of misunderstanding. You know, you yeah. and I understand slightly different things by the same term. So, you know, whether that means that you you miss something that I'm doing wrong or perhaps I'm doing it right, but you think I'm doing it wrong because we, you just understood something different to me. And I think this, I suppose it's growing a common understanding of what data there is in an organization. So I think that's why when you said individual departments, I'd yes, individual departments have got to understand their data, but. I'm always a fan of, yes, we can't put everything in a data warehouse and give everybody access, but I'd much rather look at how can we manage and understand our data holistically and, and break down silos rather than keep you know propagating it and let individual people do their own thing with data. Okay. And we could probably do a, an entire episode uh, or at least a segment on dictionaries versus catalogs, <laughs> but 
Uh, just to kind of introduce these terms to some non-data people um, that might not know them, when you talk about documenting where the data is and what it is, the term mm -hmm. for that would be data catalog, that would data be, dictionary. That, <laughs> so if you know, this gets complicated, um, I think for the purposes of this, there are subtle differences between right. a data catalog and a data glossary. But for all intents and purposes, I think it's an unnecessary complexity. Okay. So I would say a data catalog or a data glossary, call it what you will. And I th think the vendors have started using catalog because that seems to be trendier at the moment, yeah. um, is a business um, document uh, is organization wide, which has like your business terms, what they mean. And then you would have from a data governance point of view, the data owner, who the data steward is, and what systems it's held on. Yeah. And then it could start having useful things like what it's used for, what it mustn't be used for. Kind yeah. Of thing. Um, dic data dictionaries are um, something that confuses so many people. Also very valuable tools, but have been around a lot, lot longer than the concept of a glossary or a data catalog. And they are produced by, per system or application, mm -hmm. usually at the time that it's implemented and built. And they technically do have a def definition of the, the data fields in it. Traditionally or historically, they've not been written by anybody in the business. They've yeah. been written by a business analyst on the project and right. their best guess. And then you have loads of technical metadata. So is it a character? Is it a digit? Is it variable? Can we? Can the field be blank? Yeah. Uh, all sorts of things that IT really want to know. And, and perhaps some of the analysts of the data want to know when it comes to doing some, some extract and analysis of it, but the business user is just not interested. And yeah. you have these for different systems, but if you have a data governance tool to be your glossary or your catalog, that's when you can do the clever stuff and then start tying them all in together. Yeah. And there are, um, those tools are starting to become more and more. It seems like I get an, an email from a new catalog vendor every two weeks now um yes. and so anyway yeah there's certain those are starting certainly starting to um be more prominent and likely will, more people will hear about those usually you see them in large organizations or um like a tech startup or or a mature mm -hmm. maybe even startup i would say uh maybe a, a data driven or uh tech born uh type of organization a little more common um than you might see in a 20-year-old manufacturing business or something like that, depending on their um, use of, of data anyway. But, okay, so let's say there's there's two scenarios we typically see within internal audit leveraging data. There's one where, hey, we have our own data warehouse. Hey, we need, um, we look at terminated users all the time, or, or we need HR listings of current employees, new hires, terminated users. We need that all the time just source that into our data warehouse. We need this AP data all the time, source that into our warehouse. That way we don't have to bug the data owner about it and, and make manual requests, et cetera. So there's a you know weekly, monthly feed, et cetera. There's that scenario. Uh, and then there's also the, hey, we're gonna audit this individual uh, department or process and hey, business owner, can you send me a spreadsheet most of the time of this data? What are the for those two scenarios? So, like an individual request versus a uh, an almost ad hoc versus a a data warehouse that internal audit owns to some degree. What are the data governance considerations for those two scenarios that we should consider? So, I think and they're kind of the same yeah. consideration. I mean, it's always nice if you can automate it and then you have the data available to all the time. But I think the key thing is is kind of saying 
it's this definition, agreeing what that data is to make sure, because um, if you automate it, that's great because you agree the definition once and then you should always have that same data. But if you're, particularly if you're doing it manually, you might be asking somebody different next month, next quarter, and they give you the data in a slightly different format or calculated on a slightly different basis. So I think the definitions are absolutely key. And I think that is where I, it's not just audit, anybody that's requesting reports, I would say, you can't just say, give me the levers data and expect the person on the other end to go, oh yeah, I know what the levers data is and give it to you. And then realize, no, you meant... (laughs) a very particular one that met this criteria and excluded something. Um, And I think we've got to, I suppose it's train the people requesting it to be very clear on their requirements and make sure that if those items aren't already in your organization's um, catalog or glossary, that you put them in there. Yeah. And get a data owner for them. And then the other good thing is, is that you could almost get like a blanket approval from the data owner once to say your internal audit team are allowed this on this basis. And so I would say it's all it's all the upfront work. I always feel like data governance is always very foundational. Yeah. It's you make sure that you've got you've got the right thing in place, so that you've got it all sorted and set up so that whether you, you've got it automated or manually, that you know you're going to get the same consistent data so that when you look at it next time, you don't think that something terrible has gone wrong because the data's changed. It really generally has gone wrong because you've got exactly the same data and something odd is showing up. Yeah, something that uh, I've said on this show many times and most speaking engagements that I have, so this might sound like a broken record to some folks. Hey, everyone, thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at Audit Board, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. Audit Board's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. As technical, obviously, as data is, it is so much more about the relationships, especially when it comes to acquiring data and to be able to go, uh, to be able to talk to the data owner who I already have a relationship with and go, hey, can you hook me up? Like, can you just send me that thing? Or like, can we plug into your thing? Uh, And of course, there's procedures, governance procedures you have to go through in order to get that in some instances. But um, how important do you think that is? Like the relationship aspect, as opposed to the like very technical aspects of analytics and data governance yeah i think it's absolutely vital i think you're right and and the one things i i always probably similar to you that people hear me say all the time is particularly in the early phases i think that data governance is more about the people mm-hmm. pull them the data but obviously once we mature and we get it in place about uh, it's more about the data but the people side of it never goes away and it is I, I'm you know, obviously I'm biased and, and I don't think genuinely that data governance can solve all world problems, mm-hmm. but it really does break down those silos within organizations and makes people start talking because quite often, you know, I will come across people saying, oh, the data I got from X was rubbish. 
And then you'll say, oh, so what did they say about it? And they look blankly at you. And you well, did you tell them how you wanted it? Well, they should have known. Well, how did they know? Yeah. So it's, I think data governance is all about this, opening the relationships um, and people being able to be very clear on what they want. And therefore you can build on those relationships instead of it being a, I want your data, why I don't know who you are and, or your data's rubbish. And then somebody gets defensive and I can't say I blame them. So it, it, it enables those conversations to be much more productive. Yeah. And I found that just including the objective of why we want it as being so critical for a couple of reasons, mainly the data owner goes, oh yeah, I know like, hey, you've made this very detailed request um, and that's great. You know, these fields and that's what you want. And then you, if you state the objective, this is what we're going to do with it. And they go, oh, well, in that case, then you don't need this field. I know you think you need that field or you need it, uh, this scope. But um, actually, I think what you're looking for is this, right? And then you can like hash it out without just having the objective uh, stated in there or understood. It, it Typically, I would say it will save you at least one meeting and four to eight maybe emails if you could just state the objective of what the request is for. Yeah. But okay. I think that's really great. Yeah, I, I went to, I've been at a conference the last couple of days and and somebody made a really good point. Um, it was They were talking about like the data analysis side of things. And he was saying, you know, he encouraged people to explain what their problem was, not to ask for the data to solve it. Because you ask what you think you want and you might not know what else exists. So explain the problem as well and then people can go ah as you say you don't want that field you want yeah. this field that's a great way to look at it all right i'm gonna add that to the repertoire then okay <laughs> from your website there is a pdf the 10 biggest mistakes companies make when implementing data governance and you said the most common one or the maybe the the biggest one is a failure to address culture mm. uh, and i know you have just kind of like blurbs within that each of the top 10 have their own page and there's blurbs and this is what it is and why it's a mistake and what you should do to look out for it. But could you kind of expand on that a little bit more and how we can address that issue up front? So I think um, it goes back to what I was saying about data governance being more about the people initially. Uh -huh. And I think the big thing is, is we've got to get everybody in the organization to start thinking about data. And, you know, until they've become, you know, mature at doing data governance. They just don't. Most people have a job to do. And I would say the vast majority, if not everybody of an organization, regardless of what they do, either uses data or produces data or probably does a bit of both. But the vast majority of those people will also think that it's almost like perhaps a necessary evil or it's the thing that makes doing their job difficult because the data doesn't arrive on time, it's not good enough, or they have to go get spreadsheets from different people and merge them or something. So I think what we've got to do is, is get people to understand that data is an asset and, and then that it's actually everybody's responsibility to, to care about it. So the analogy that I often use a lot when I'm presenting is that it doesn't matter what the client does that I'm talking to. They normally have some buildings of some kind, whether it's offices or a university building or a, or a factory. And if you ask people at that organization, are your buildings an asset? Everybody goes, well, yes, of course. They look at you like you're stupid. And I'm going, so do you wait for them to fall down? Do you wait for their you know, ceiling tile to fall on an employee's head or a hole to appear in the wall? And they go, well, no, that's stupid. And it's true, you'll have an estates or a facilities team or whatever you want to call it. And they will go around regularly and check your buildings and make sure they're good enough. But 
we don't do that with our data until we start doing data governance. And it's we, we do these tactical fixes at the point we use it, but we never go and fix the source of the problem. And and I, I said to one client, it's akin to having like a hole appear in your office wall. And instead of kind of getting it repaired properly, you actually move a poster and put over it and hope that nobody <laughs> will notice it and it'll go away. We're just kind of putting band-aids on yeah. it and, and hoping we fix it. And the only way to get around that is to get everybody in the organization to realize that data is an asset and to start thinking about it in its own right. Yeah. Um, and then that's where data governance comes along is that, you know, there'll be the people who are running the data quality reports and monitoring it regularly and telling you whether it's right or not. But we also want everybody individually to be questioning, is it right to do this? Yeah. I mean, I, I go back before I got into data, I, I worked for a bank and um, I was told I was very junior on a, on a newly joined a team. And um, the senior person there was really scary and told me, nobody uses this code, just put seven nines in. And, you know, you're smiling, you can see how it goes. Yep. But it happens time and time again. It's still happening all these years later. You know, somebody senior and scary just says to you, just do this. I was too scared. I wasn't going to ask her any more questions than I had to. So 18 months, I was diligently putting seven <laughs> nines in this field for every single customer. And then, you know, roll on five years, I'm on the data governance. Well, I was the data <laughs> governance manager. Bank of England reporting team rings up and says, you've got to help us. We've got terrible problems with yeah. this field. And I'm going, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I may have contributed to that problem. But I think this is what we need Everybody has a responsibility now to say, is this the right thing? Yeah. And you also have a responsibility if you're a consumer of data to make sure that those who create that data or produce it for you know what you need. Yeah. Because I, then this is exactly the conversation I have with the Bank of England reporting team for that particular bank, because they were moaning about the corporate banking teams and their inability to put these codes in correctly. And I went, but did you ever tell them? Yeah. And they went, they should know. And I went, hmm. So yes, quite rightly, they should, but they're only going to know if you tell them. Yeah. And you never told them in the 18 months I was responsible for putting them in for my team. And I had a scary boss who told me we didn't use them. Yeah. So you've got to make sure that your requirements are clear. And I, so I think this is, you know, the culture side of it is a hard one because some organizations, you know, hundreds of thousands of employees and we've got to influence all of them. So it's a lot of clever ways of getting the message in. So lots of briefings and can we get the message in other people's trainings or messages yeah. to just keep dripping it in there to get people to understand that data is an asset. So I think that's, you know, <laughs> that's why it's an issue, but it's also, it's not an easy one to address, but, but you have to. Yeah. And I don't have the, I forget the source of this. I read it yesterday. And so I could probably just make up any number at this point, but it was something like, 83%, I don't know why 83, I think it's 83% of change management initiatives like just completely fell because of ineffective communication. And it's just like, hey, we're gonna do this thing. All right, everybody go do this thing, you know? And if it's a data governance or or, or whatever it may be, and then you maybe you don't hear about it or it's ineffective in how it's communicated. Um, I think back to like when I first started in my career, public accounting, and it was always, uh, voicemails is how they would communicate changes or, you know, across the entire firm was they would leave a voicemail for us, uh, like an automated voicemail or whatever. And all of us, you know, we had just graduated and we we're like, dude, we're not going to listen to a voicemail. Like, you know, like you have our phone numbers, just text us, whatever it is, or send me an email with a link to something. I'm not going to listen to a voice. I'd never listen to voicemails. Um, and so even knowing the 
the communication channels and and how people respond to those, I think is important in getting some kind of yeah. implementing any kind of change management. I think so. And and I I'm I'm often known to say you can't over communicate when you're doing data governance. You know, you just won't have time to to do too much. But I even had it, I was teaching a, a workshop on Monday and um a lady said to me, Oh yes, we've got a data governance policy. I don't know how many of our employees have actually read it. And I said to her, Well, let me stop you right there. It's a bit like your voicemails, isn't yeah. it? Do not send a policy out to everybody in your organization and say, here's the data governance policy, read it and do it, please. Mm -hmm. It's never going to work. We've got to get the right messages crafted in the right way and delivered, don't you say, probably multiple channels because different yeah. people respond well to different, different methods. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That was fantastic. Uh, and you mentioned the maturity of the organization um, when we were talking just now. And I know that's mm -hmm. one of the other areas of one of the, the 10 biggest mistakes is almost knowing if a company's mature enough uh, for this. So can you like, what are some signs that a company isn't mature enough maybe for a data governance uh, initiative? So yeah, it's, it's, it's luckily becoming slightly less frequent these days, but I think the, the, Big alarm bells for me are, are probably there's no executive sponsorship mm -hmm. of, of data governance or data at all that yeah. nobody really understands the value of it. I think um, it is this, um, you know, culture that data is somebody else's problem, even worse that it's IT's problem because yeah. it's on IT systems. Um, they're, they're the big ones. And I think it's this, um, it, it's, it's, probably is down to this culture. I mean, I, I did some work with a, a very old organization, very successful organization last year, helping them make the case for data governance. And I met somebody who was very senior. He was on the exec and um, he was rather pompous. <laughs> And he, he basically said, we've been a very successful organization for 250 years and we've never had data governance. So why do we need it now? And he kind of go, well, yeah. and I said, but have you been successful in spite of your data? <laughs> you know, think what you could do if you understood your data. But I think you you really need the senior people to understand and and support this because you're never going to get anywhere. So I think that's one of the biggest things that are, that are kind of of concern to me in saying that perhaps you're just not ready yet. Got it. Yeah. So who who would be? Is it typically because the CDO, Chief Data Officer, is a fairly new role? Mm -hmm. um, over you know, it's kind of been cropping up over the past I don't know three to five years. Not everyone has one of those, but so I would I would assume if you have a CDO, Chief Data Officer, data governance is going to roll up under them, right? If you Absolutely. don't have that, and there's not a, some kind of initiative to bring one in, who would you say it would typically? fall under is it just yeah. okay whoever the chief it highest ranking <laughs> it whatever job title that is yeah you take data governance it's it's a difficult one it really is and um i've had this conversation so many times over the years and i would say it depends on the organization and many organizations don't get it right the first time i mean when i was doing data governance for um the bank when i was first I even dare say making it up as quite long, but it was 20 <laughs> years ago. Um, and there wasn't much on Google to help me. Um, we we would have like a new reporting line every six months because people just didn't know what to do. And that was the whole data management team. I was only one part of that. Um, people would kind of go, I just don't know, you know, oh, let's let's give them to this people love it. So I think it is a hard one. What will work will depend on the organizations. I prefer it not to go into IT. Mm -hmm. Because that kind of propagates the um, belief that data 
belongs to IT. Um, And also, I think it makes it harder to address the culture change we were talking about because it's then often seen as IT doing something to the business, which is they often do kind of thing. And I want this to be about the business implementing data governance. Now, that doesn't mean you can't do it. I've helped you know, a number of clients successfully implement data governance out of IT, but it requires even more comms, even more engagement, stakeholder management than than normal. So I'd say somewhere in the business, so whether perhaps there's somewhere central like corporate services or operations. Uh, one of my, um, a client I've been working with on and off for years, I went to visit them last week um, and they they've moved to they were reported to the chief risk officer which works quite well albeit we had our conversation about the second line not being the best place but Uh it it can work well um i have seen that quite a lot um to go to the chief risk officer but they'd moved from the chief risk officer and they're now reporting to chief operations officer who was very good um, and was um by sound by all sounds of it a very good sponsor and supporter of what they were doing i think the the ones to try and avoid are any of the individual business lines because it's going to be hard for them. And I can understand why, but hard to prioritize sorting out anybody else's data than their own. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, and I and I actually, I was at the conference yesterday. Somebody actually said to me, oh, um, ours is, um, we report into finance, but if we try to fix data that doesn't belong to finance or that finance aren't interested in using for whatever reason, then they won't prioritize it yeah. because all the budget's coming from finance. Yeah. And, and so I would try and avoid that. So try and find some central corporate services risk kind of okay. place where, where you can, you can sit happily in a neutral territory. Perfect. I like that. What about the, all right. So we have this process in place. We have data governance initiatives. Uh, we're humming along. How do we measure the success of the data governance initiative? Oh, I wish I knew the answer. I wish there was a nice <laughs> list of these are the the key metrics that you can go and do and everybody will live happily ever after. Um, and it's, it's really, really hard because with data governance, you don't know what you're going to solve um, until you start doing it. And this is really hard. I mean, I've genuinely had so many conversations over the years with really senior stakeholders where I've kind of said, I promise you we're going to solve some problems and save you some money but I don't know what the problems are, so I can't tell you how much money yet. And, you know, it doesn't really sound like a good business. Yeah, it's not a great proposition, kind of no. So you kind of, you know, luckily by sheer enthusiasm, I've managed to persuade them to nice. do it. But, you know, even I know, yeah, as a former project manager, this isn't going to convince people. Sure. Um, so I, I tend to advise my clients to, to do two things. So data governance takes a long time to implement. So I would comment on the, you know, do report on progress. So the number of data owners that you've identified and trained, the number of data stewards you've identified and trained. And then the same things with like, how many glossary terms have we uh, drafted definitions for? How many data quality rules have we got? How many data quality reports have we got? Now, they're great for showing progress, but they actually don't show any value that you've delivered. And I think the trouble is there's no metric that I can say, just run this metric and it will tell you. So my best advice and the the best thing I found, and if anybody else has found a better way, please get in touch and tell me, because I'm always looking for a better way, is to look at the data quality issues that you solved. Because as you solve them, as part of even understanding them and doing the impact analysis, you'll know what the impact of that is. Is that, you know, that you're saving a team two hours a week? Or is it, you know, that you're avoiding a fine from a regulator? There's all sorts of, of, of things. So, but that, 
it has to be done on like a case by case basis. So it's it's a constant reporting of what you solved, what that what that did as a result, um, and some of it's qualitative. Yeah, it's, it's always great when I can say this is we've saved thirty thousand dollars or whatever. But quite often it's well we solved this problem, so now the regulator's not going to keep looking down our necks and not trusting our reports. Or it could be that we've improved customer experience and solved something we were getting lots of customer complaints about. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's a hard one, but I think it's being very conscious of the fact that you do have to keep reporting up the line all the things that you're solving. You can't just think that everybody goes, oh, they're doing a great job. We'll we'll let them get on with it. You've got to prove that you are. Yeah. And for like an individual user of the data, it's almost like, okay, are you less frustrated now than you were before this, you know, before we fixed it and yes. before uh we put these processes in place and go, yeah, yeah. this is so much better. And it's like that's kind of hard to measure. <laughs> like frustration <laughs> levels have decreased across the organization. That's pretty tough to measure, but um, it certainly is. All right. Well, that was certainly enlightening. Um, you know, being in audit governance is something that we're uh, familiar with, but we haven't had a data governance expert on the show, and, and so we're super happy to have you. I think there's a lot of practical advice, especially towards the top of the show, relative to internal audit specific, uh, like what we can do, what our role could be within uh, data governance. So thank you very much, Nicola. Is there, I'll, I'll, I'll give the floor to you. Is there anything that you would want to leave the audience with? Um, yeah, I would encourage you to do data governance if you're not already and say, and if you if you are the audit team and you've got data governance in your organization, absolutely go and, and, and um, you know, liaise with them. They can be really good allies. And I think if you haven't got data governance in your organization, I think internal audit team is in a really good position to highlight the need for it. Um, I think they would be very good people to be highlighting the case. But I think if you are wanting to know more about data governance or you're just starting out, there's loads of free advice on my website. Um, and, um, yeah, and I, I have my own podcast, mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, totally unoriginally called the data governance podcast. <laughs> this is the audit all. podcast. Are you kidding me? It's like, it's, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it does what it says on the tin. Nice. Um, so yeah, if you want to find out more, please, yeah, come along and listen to that as well. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.